to see you. Um, if you've got a Bible, I would encourage you to grab it, and let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Uh, again, welcome. So glad you're here. An appropriate song. Appreciate that. Um, they're not even listening, so thanks. Uh, anyway, um, Matthew chapter 16, uh, 13, and I want us to um, really focus in now on, on the church. We've been kind of given a macro view of, of a couple of things that the effects of the church has, has had, and now what I want us to do over the next few weeks is to really just dive in into the weeds, and uh, let's, let's really look and see what the church is, what is the organization look like or the leadership of a church look like and if some of you are thinking that sounds boring then perhaps you don't really know what the church is and I would encourage you to uh, stick around and so that you can uh, really dive into this some of this will for some of you sound like um, something you've heard from me before and perhaps that is true because um, I have probably said a lot of these things before in fact I've probably preached from this passage multiple times uh, here so and I just hopefully find something new in this something that will help us in our view of the church because our view of the church is really going to have a, a lot of implications over the next few months your view let me say this for you your view of the church is going to have a lot of weight to it and hold a lot of implications over the next few months in the life of this church. And you really need to get that and let that weight kind of settle in on you, not on me. I mean, I, I get it. I've given my life to the church. Matthew chapter 16. Let's pick it up in verse. I was about to go into like so many tangents, but I've got notes and I've got to stick with it. Matthew 16, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Philippi, he asked his disciples this question. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah. Or one of those prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, And I want you to notice this. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Would you pray with me, pray for me this morning? Father, I thank you for your authoritative word of God in it is life in it we find truth and in my hopes that would sanctify us and would grow us and would take us from the shallow ends of our faith into deeper waters that you have for us 
So many of us have been looking for some word. I thank you, O God, that we just heard the word of the true and living God this morning. God, may we leave this place not thinking about how great a word they just heard from from some dude, but how awesome Jesus is. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to look at this idea of what the church is, and I think there's, Jesus is going to kind of unpack for us several ideas in the church. And he says that I'm building a church, and counter to what some religions would tell us and suggest, Jesus did not fail. In fact, Jesus built his church and is continuing to build his church and so many of us, we don't want to associate ourselves with the church. But this is something Jesus said that he is building. Can you imagine every time someone does something terrible, Jesus says, well, I don't want to associate myself with that person. Could you imagine that? Likewise, that's what we do when we think that, well, I cannot associate myself with the church. It's very dangerous for you to say that because the church wasn't our idea church wasn't this western white man's religion the church was jesus's idea the church is something that jesus son of god this was him this was his doings and so jesus uses this language in the greek ecclesia and if you want to know what the church is it is the ecclesia, and Jesus uses that word that can be translated as the gathering of people. Now, I hope that's not new for you, because I've been saying this for 10 years to you. The church is the ecclesia, which is the gathering, or, or how we can describe this in better terms. This is the gathering of the called ones, the, the ones who have been called out by Christ and he's gathered them for two reasons that I would suggest to you this morning uh, for fellowship with God and with fellowship with the other ones who've been called out by God that is what the church is and we are the ones who've been called out in fellowship and communion with God and in fellowship and communion with the other believers are centered around something that happened 2,000 years ago. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we gather here every Sunday as a part of the universal church, which is the, the saints of all times and in all places who have gathered around this one central thing for the past 2,000 years, and that event is the resurrection. So when we gather here together, we gather with all saints from all times, from all places. Paul, we gather with him. Pete, we gather with him. John, not that John, but we do gather with that John. John the Baptist, like we gather with all of these people from history around this one idea that Christ died for our sins, Christ was buried, and Christ rose again, that we may have life. That's the church. It is not about a building. Although this is a beautiful building, it's not about the building. 
You know, we've, we've, we've had a, quite of an upgrade from buildings. We used to be the ghetto club building. Now we're the, <laughs> the uppity building. It's a preference. doesn't matter. It's not, it doesn't save you if you are saved in a, in a club or in a beautiful building. What matters is that we are all gathered together with this one common goal, this one essential, and that's Jesus Christ. I want you to notice a few things that's happening in this passage. Peter almost has this aha moment, their location, Caesarea Philippi, and in this area, it's very, very interesting why Jesus asked him this question, because in this particular area, there's a lot of idol worship going on, a lot of idol worship, one of the Greek gods that they were worshiping among dozens, if not maybe hundreds of other gods that they were worshiping in temples is this Greek god, Panaeus. Panaeus is where you get the, the term panic. When people are worshiping panic. Sounds like 2020. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Panic, panic, panic. We just, we thrive in it. Like we worship panic, panic in 2020, panic in year 30-something is demanding their worship. Jesus right here in the epicenter of all of these idols that ask them this question that my friends is still needing to be asked. Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? Very appropriate question then. An incredible appropriate question today. With culture throwing out all of their little g-gods. Worship this. Worship this idea. Jesus' question is still resounding 2,000 years later. Who do you say that he is? And I love Peter's response because Peter gives us the main thing. Peter gives us the big idea, the thing that unites a Christian believing church. And he gives three ideas. Jesus, you are the Messiah, the one who comes to ransom or to save the lost. And then he says, you are the son. Now this isn't God, some weird uh, heavenly mother did the you know what and birthed out Jesus' son. That's not what he means here, son, what the Jews would have heard was that he is a co-equal. That's what son was for them. So Peter's already like, he's on track, y'all. He's got it. So you are the Messiah, the son, and the living God, meaning that Jesus Christ, through his resurrection, will give life to everything. Peter gets it. And I think what could be happening here is Jesus is giving us this big idea for the church that the church has a clear vision of who Jesus is. That's what unites us. Peter, at this moment, I believe, gets in sync with Jesus. And here's where the church, you've got to get this right. If you get Jesus wrong, then nothing else matters. All right, that's a broken record for me. You've got to get Jesus right. Jesus, Messiah, Son of the living God. Peter gets it right, and suddenly I believe that there's this sickness that happens. 
And when the church gets the big idea, we get the main thing, this first thing, like we lock arms, we get in sync with the universal church, which is also in sync with God. And, and you can't go wrong when that happens. We get this clear vision and view of Jesus. We have a clear view of the church. And hear me now, the two are inseparable. You got to get that right. The church, the gathering of believers, the church has a clear view of Jesus. And then notice what happens here. Jesus said that he'll build his church upon this rock. Now, he's not implying that he will build his church. Counter to Catholicism would tell you, he's not saying that he's going to build his church on peat. Okay? He's not implying that he will build his church on Peter. Jesus does not say, you are Petros, and on this Petros I will build my church. He says, the, the Greek for this is, you are Petros, and on this Petra you will, I will build my church. This has different connotations than Petros. It's not a loose stone. It's a bedrock stone. Peter, then, is not the foundation of the church, counter to what other religions would tell you. Peter's name does mean stone, but he's a living stone. In fact, anyone who believes Jesus, you are a living stone. In fact, Peter would go on to write about this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, when he says, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Amen. So Jesus Christ, he is the foundational rock on which the church is built. Not on a man, on Jesus. Amen. Not on an infallible person, on Jesus. Likewise, when you look at the local church, its foundation must be on Jesus. Amen. Not on a person. The foundation of the church can't be built on Judson. I know, it's true. And Ashley said amen. Because she knows him. Can't be built on you. It's got to be the foundation of refuge, the foundation of all churches. You've got to start with Jesus. It can't be me, because I'll fail you. Yeah. Jesus said that he's the stone that the builders rejected. That's in, later in Matthew. And if Jesus is the general contractor of the church, so to speak, then we are the bricks and we are the mortars. And so here's what this idea tells us, that the church then has some work to do. We've got some work to do. Peter, think about Peter when Jesus, who was Jesus talking to? Probably wouldn't make it past the fifth grade. I mean, he just, he gets it wrong so many times. All right, that's conjecture. I don't know for real. But just by looking at the text, you've got to think, like, Peter, you just don't get it, do you, sometimes? He gets it right a lot of other times. Sometimes he's just like, and what does Jesus do? He uses this utter moron to be the first pastor that comes out screaming 
out of the upper room, given this long message, whom would be referenced as cowards, now boldly proclaiming the gospel, and where there were 120 people saved, Peter's message, what happens? 3,000 come to Christ with this guy who used to be a nothing. Just this brawly fisherman, uneducated guy. He was a brick. He's just a brick. Jesus, he continues to do this. He didn't stop with Peter. He kept going. I mean, he kept using the most unlikely people to do what? Continue to build the church. He then uses the most unlikely character, the one that we wouldn't write in the story, Paul, who's having Christians murdered. I don't know if Willie McCoon is having people murdered. If so, then we need to probably call 911. But Jesus continues this, using the most unlikely people as what? Bricks and mortar to continue to build the church that Jesus said he's building. So how can this, how does this work itself out? If that we are a part of this universal church, how does this work itself out? We are to continue to be building the kingdom of God. If you want to get real practical, I, I've, I've, if you are an A-typer, you really will appreciate this. I've got three sub-points for you among these other three points. And so I've really gone Baptist for you this morning. How do you build? What do you do? If you are the brick, if you are a part of this church, what is your role? Like you use the gifts God has given you. And I know some of you are thinking, well, my gift is just really insignificant. All right, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians when he's talking about how the body is made up of all, you know, body parts, and likewise, this is the way the church looks like. So think about that in a scientific mindset. So if you think that your pinky toe has absolutely no significance, wait until you stub it and break it. This happened to me. I've never broken a bone in my body. And I've done some questionable things in my life that would cause for me to think, why did I just do that? I could have killed myself. But one day I'm chasing my children around my dining room and my toe, my, toe, my middle toe, and my right foot stubs something. I fall on my face and I weep before my children and I break my toe. It's purple for four months. Not even making that up. You may just think that you're just some middle toe. But what happens when that joker breaks, boy? You feel that pain. <laughs> you, you, we, we have to get, reel this back in, you, we have to get into this place to where we all feel and know that our part is significant. You are the church. You are building it. And your part and your gift is significant. No matter what that gift is, it's significant. 
and it's there to build the church. How, how do we build the church? Well, this is an idea that we've been talking about for years. It's, it's the idea of belonging. And I know, like, we're weird year, you know, the pandemic has caused a lot of disconnections. I understand that. And, um, and it's hard to belong. I know we have many people still watching online, and that's totally fine. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm just talking about a sense where you belong. Like, this is my place. This is my people. This is, this is the church that I belong to. This isn't Matthew's church. This isn't John's church. This is my church. This is our church. That's what belonging looks like. like. And I get it. I've got three kids. I understand if I wasn't the pastor that I would just want to some days just sleep in. There would just be days where I'm just like, I don't feel like doing this. And I'm not just even talking about attending or coming every I'm talking about just belonging and like getting involved. I've got every excuse for you. And as the pastor, I've heard every excuse. But we're a part of something. Jesus Christ said that he is building and for some reason it has taken second place in our lives. We also have to have this understanding that this is this church locally universally this is bigger than any of us Amen. i like what jesus says in the in the gates this has always been a funny passage for me and the gates of hell will not prevail and i i think i've i've said this and given this illustration before i don't i don't remember have you ever you ever been in a fight i hope not and um you ever seen somebody say, my weapon of choice is a gate. You know how dumb you would look? Oh, you got a gun? Well, I've got a gate! Come at me, bro! So let me ask you a question. Is that an offensive strategy? If I'm strategizing a battle, I mean, I've, I've got the best generals, and if I got one general says, you know what we need more of? Gates. <laughs> I would ask that the medical crew, the psychological medical crew, come in and take this general out and reevaluate him. Who comes to a fight with a gate? Nobody. So the gates of hell were meant to prevent us, the church, from marching in. That's what the gates of hell. And something significant happens when we get this understanding of what we are a part of, how big it is for us, that when we lock arms and when we are in sync with Jesus Christ, we are to parade and take over the gates of hell because Jesus said, that they cannot prevail against the church. The gates of hell in our community. Where's the church locking arms, marching into it? Oh, well, those gates are just too scary. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm building a church. And we're meant for something that's so much larger than any of us can think of. 
much larger than any of us would have thought we would have been a part of. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Refuge, keep marching into the darkest places of our community. That's, that's been our identity as a church. If you wonder what is our identity, what, what do we look like, who are we? We're the church that invades darkness. Don't stop. Don't try to reshape that identity. Doesn't need to be reshaped. When Jesus said that I'm building a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is building the church, universal, and the local church refuge point. And all the darkness in our community cannot prevail against it. That's been our identity for 10 years, and God help us, that will be our identity for the next 10, 20, 30, 100 years. The church that invaded the gates of hell. So, so Jesus then kind of outlines that idea of what that looks like. Starts talking about keys and binding and loosing. Sounds like Jesus just kind of went really charismatic on us. Sounds odd. He tells them, and, and he's not talking to Peter because the Greek word and the verb usage he's using is a plural sense. So he's saying you, when he's, when he's talking to his, the whole audience that was listening there. I'm giving you, the, the people who are listening, the, the church that would later become, I'm giving the church, I'm giving you refuge, these keys. And keys was this idea of a badge of authority. So Jesus is like, listen, I'm giving you authority, and Peter and these other disciples would take this, these keys, this this badge of authority, and they would go open the doors of faith for who? For these Jewish people. They would open these doors of faith for the Samaritans and later on into the Gentiles. And later Paul would have this privilege, this authority, this message of the gospel is that key, is that authority. But what say you? You've been given the keys to the kingdom, which is this authoritative gospel, the message of reconciliation. And some of us act like these keys are to like some 1992 Ford Taurus that barely works. Well, my keys are to a car that barely cranks. So I'm not really fond of these keys. And I don't know if they'll even work. That's how I get in when I, when I drive the, uh, the church minivan, the mom van. Every time I go in and I, I pray, God, well, I ask, I was like, God, will this thing work today? We all drive around like we have the 1990 mom van that's beat up with 400 million miles on it. We think that's what the gospel is. But Jesus gives us the authoritative keys to the kingdom of God. And yet we put in those keys in our pocket and just keep them for ourselves. Well, my faith is private. What? On what earth? On what planet? 
And then he binding whatever's bound in earth, loose in heaven, loosed in earth, loosed in heaven. Sounds like Jesus is talking in riddles here. And Jesus did not say that God would obey whatever they did on earth, but that they should do on earth whatever God is telling them to do and what he's already willed for them. This idea of binding and, and loosing the apostles were not to share this truth about Jesus. Notice when Jesus says that last verse, I don't think we read. He says, don't, don't tell anybody about this Messiah, that I'm the Messiah. But then the sign, of, the sign of Jonah would be complete and the Spirit would be given. And then this message would be proclaimed. Binding and loosing is a legal phrase for the Jewish community. Giving authority to someone listen to this, to determine whether something is allowed or forbidden. Let me say that one more time. The binding and loosing is, is this Jewish legal term giving authority to someone to determine whether something is allowed or something is forbidden. Think about that for a second. Let that marinate in your soul that you've been given the authority to whether or not something is bound or something is loosed. You've been given that authority, the gospel, and Jesus is putting it on them. Whether the Gentiles, whether the Samaritans or the Jewish people hear it, he tells them, that's on you. It, whether those dark places of our community hear it, listen to what Jesus is saying. This is very frightening. It's on you. The authority, the gospel, is on you to proclaim it. Now, sure, Jesus can save however he deems fit, but that's our part to play in it. That your part in this as the church is to take the keys, this teaching of Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom of God and push it out and whether or not our city is bound or loosed and freed in this message, it's on the church to do that what a powerful what a powerful responsibility that Jesus gives us to be the John the Baptist of 2020 and to go out into the highways and into the corridors of the darkness, of the dark places of our place and our community and have this reconciliation message. That's the power of the gospel in action in the church that Jesus said that he's building and the gates of hell will not stand against a church that's united around Jesus Christ proclaiming the gospel and the truths of his word. What is the church, friends? That's the church. It is not some social club you join based off of a personality. It's something that you belong to and that you have, are a part of the church. And my prayer for us my prayer for you, my prayer for myself, that we don't lose heart and we don't, lose, we don't grow weak 
we don't lose our identity found right here when Jesus talks to us and tells us what is the church. Jesus outlines to us what this is. Are you a part of the local church? I think that's a that's an important question for you to think of and, and for you to really, really think on. Or were you just a part of just some social gathering or a part of a personality? You are a part of a part of the church. The kingdom of God that that we the message that we have to proclaim. Let me pray for us.